Hello and welcome to the Heal Your Heart, Heal Your Life podcast, the podcast where we talk all things trauma, how we've healed and how we've moved on to work on ourselves. So today I have a very special guest with me. So Anne-Marie, who is a end-of-life celebrant and doula, welcome. I'd love to throw to you. Tell us a bit about your story and how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Okay. Um, well, so about five years ago, a bit over five years ago, my dear mum died and she was only sick for about six months between mm. diagnosis and death. So it was yeah. fast. It was unexpected. Sorry to hear was, that. Yeah, it was sad. Mm. Um, she was young. She was only 59. Wow. So that was not fair. I felt really ripped off actually. Mm. Um, she was a young mum. She had me when she was 17. Oh, and yeah. so I always thought we would grow old together, to be yeah. quite honest. Um, so I didn't know it then, but it, it, it was an experience that really changed my life in so mm. many ways. Mm. My beautiful sister, I have a, a younger sister. She's 10 years younger than me. And we're super close. And we were able to um, grant mum her last wish and look after her at home before she died and it was really special it was really hard but it was really special and um and again I didn't know it then but after a few things happened like so you know talk about you know what happened straight after that but fast forward a couple of years and I lost my job for COVID Mm. and so all of a sudden I had lots of time on my hands and having been through a grief journey for a few years Um, having some time to myself was a real gift and um, it allowed me to really go inward and Mm. I started thinking about what's really important in life because I hadn't really liked my job I was in corporate I I hadn't really loved my job for a long time Mm. and I had been searching for something more meaningful and you know just what can I do in this world to make a difference you know not in a grand scheme of anything it was never that grand it was always just like surely there's more to life than going to this office and working for faceless people and you know and I literally had this very magical moment one day in a meditation that showed me in the sky with you know sparklers when you write in sparklers in the sky And it said end of life doula, like really like wow. I was like, that's a bit weird. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that was the moment that I was like, oh, maybe there's something in this, mm. which led to training and, and all of that. And and what felt really right about that was the the inner innermost uh part of me that just was very peaceful about mm, that. no yeah. it just I had no idea what it involved or you know how how I would do that but yeah. it took me straight back to being with my sister looking after my mum having yeah. my niece and nephew around being in mum's home and just thinking to myself what if everyone could do that yeah you know? that's that's what being a doula is about and and I became a celebrant because I became a doula that sort of flowed on very easily. That was a Mm. no brainer for me when I was doing my training. So it was something completely different. And I really felt like I had mum to thank for it because had I not had that experience with her, 
I really don't think that I would have ever had you know that moment that that moment of clarity and I think that that moment of clarity only came because I had gone through a big journey of grief and then did what society tells us to do and get on with it and Mm. go back to work and Mm. you know and that never really worked well for me yeah yeah well with me and so this this journey has been about so you know starting this as a a job so to speak it it, it has been about doing meaningful work being full of love and compassion which I feel like is the only reason I'm here Mm, you know and it mm. and and again you know I think that going through mum's death was just such a massive learning point for me I didn't I didn't know that at the time at the time it was just sad having to say goodbye to mum and you know she was sick and it was awful I didn't at all think that it was a teaching moment Mm, (laughs) mm. Um, and I've since realized that as many gifts that mum gave me in life she has continued to give me gifts in death which wow you know yeah yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing so Mm. the longer I'm doing this work you know the more I do this work the more I I guess I'm feeling guided. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, when I was working in corporate, I never felt guided. I mean, I got told what to do and I yeah. follow instructions, but, you know. <laughs> it's a bit different. It's very different. Can you explain yeah. feeling guided? Like, what does that feel like to you? Um, that's a really good question. So, for me, it's um, very much, a, it's actually quite a physical mm. feeling. Um, and it is one that, makes me feel lifted when Mm. something is right like I feel lighter and I feel elevated when a decision feels right or when a person feels right or when a situation feels right Mm. more so a decision I think when I'm trying to make a decision you know when I really go inward and I take a breath I take a moment I silence my head as best I can Mm. which is quite a challenge yes Uh, (laughs) easier said than done yeah yeah um and I I really it is about going inward and the Mm. guidance comes from within the guidance comes from my higher self source God whatever we all want to call it Mm. it's all it's in us yeah and so when I am feeling a bit like what do I do you know and I'm feeling really scatty in my head Mm. I've just got to yeah take a moment be still be quiet take a breath just really feel into myself and then okay what do I want to do do I do this or do I do this and usually this or this Mm. you know there's a there's a real feeling that's like yes or no yeah it's it's quite clear so when when it when I take the time to to do it you know to when I take the time Mm. feels very clear and then I'm like okay and then I go along that road mm. and inevitably there'll be decisions to make along the way. And, yeah. oh, and again, it's, okay, what do I do here? This or this, you know, mm. and, and there's just a clear, you know, people use different methods, pendulums and all sorts of things, but yeah. I use my inner guidance system. And I think that that is something that I only really started to hone yeah. a few short years ago. Wow. When, when yeah. mum, because I think because we're a family who 
you know, we talk to each other a lot about how you're feeling and what's mm. going on and all that. Mm. It's really nice. And I have a really close relationship with my sister who's um, very helpful with, with all of that as well. That's um, it is pretty special. Yeah. But I think what I learnt to do once mum died, because our family kind of imploded a bit, it was a really hard time. So I felt very alone. And it's not a bad thing to sometimes feel very alone because you have to really mm. get to know yourself and really listen to yourself and find out what is important to you. And that's really probably when I started, yeah, honing that 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 skill. I think it's a yeah. skill. Would you say that going through your grief and loss journey kind of opened you up to the spiritual side of things more so? Yeah, it did in a, in a totally different way. I have always been open to it. And yep. when I go back to my, you know, my, well, I was brought up in a church. Um, I said I had a young mum, so I had very young grandparents too. And, mm. and I spent a lot of time with them growing up. They, they really helped raise me. I was just one of their, you know, almost one of their kids in a way. Mm, mm. Um, and so I grew up in church with them. They would go to church every yep. Sunday, sometimes twice on Sundays and all of that. So it was very Christian, Christian home. My mm. mum wasn't really part of that. Yep. She always had her own spirituality beliefs and everything. So I was a bit caught in the middle yeah. for my entire childhood. I was yep. always caught in the middle. And I always was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, I had to figure out what was right for me. Yeah, yeah. And that was really hard because Christianity... And I'm not going to, I don't want to tell anybody what to believe or what mm. to feel. But for me, there was a lot of scary stuff in Christianity. Mm. It didn't sit well with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt fearful of heaven and hell and God. And, and that's probably a whole other story. But I always knew that there was, there was something else, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't until I sort of was much older, so like an older teenager into my early 20s that mm. I really started being more open to that. And then I think I got a bit stuck in the corporate world and, you know, a different life completely. As I started getting a little bit older, it started coming back a bit, but mum's death definitely allowed me to really bond with that part of mm. my, my belief because where's mum going? Yeah. Because if I yep. listened to what I was told when I was growing up, mm. going to hell yeah yeah that didn't sit well with me at all and mm. I didn't believe it because mum was a good person yeah. she was she was a good person she was a good kind-hearted person she had her issues as we all do mm. but there was no way that I could accept that she was going to hell yeah and so that I guess allowed me to start being more honest like start more speaking my truth I guess yeah yeah about what I felt because I knew that mum was about to become pure light and love mm. and that her journey is going to continue yeah. in whatever way it does for her. And I don't know everything about it. Nobody does. But, yeah. you know, I guess the what feels right for me mm. is that, yeah, she's she's fine. She's she's wherever she is and she's everywhere at the same time and yeah. you know all of that I mean you know that that and and I guess being able to talk to her about that as well you know um towards the end not as much as I wish I did yeah but being able to have some of those conversations with her and then seeing um 
signs later that gave me that um, comfort Mm -hmm. that she's okay what kind of signs did you see um the first one was just a couple of days after she died and um we had to clear out her place pretty quickly because it was actually getting demolished it had been bought by a developer oh wow and so she yeah she'd actually been given a a, an eviction notice you know because the property had been sold and and she was a bit worried like oh my god where am I going to move to and Mm. I I knew that she wasn't going to have to worry about that Um, and so anyway once she died we had to clean out the place really quickly and I was living in a very small place at the time and I had all of mum's stuff and an attachment to all of mum's stuff and I needed to keep just about everything but I was having trouble fitting things in and I was in the kitchen I was home alone everybody else was sort of out doing other things at the moment and I had this really extra long baking a chocolate spatula thing anyway yeah it was really long and I pulled it out of the box and I'm just like where what am I doing with this you know in my head I could hear mum going you'll use it one day trust me it's really (laughs) helpful and I was looking around I was holding it and there were all down lights in the kitchen and I was holding it and I was just like oh for god's sake all right mum if you need me to keep this you'll you'll find a place for it and I opened a cupboard didn't fit there and I opened a drawer and as I bent down a downlight behind me went off oh it just I felt because it was quite a dark room dark kitchen and I a downlight just went off and I turned around and I noticed that all the other lights were on even though they're all on the same switch and I was Mm. like oh a bulb just went out yeah yeah or did it you know Mm. and anyway I put the spatula in it fit perfectly and I stood up and I was like oh very good and I turned around the light went back on oh wow and I was like <laughs> I kind of freaked out for a second just going mm. was that or did I make that up and I'm like, yeah. I did not make that up I saw that light was off wow and it is definitely now back on and for the remaining time that we lived there that light never went off again yeah so yeah. I was just right in that moment. I was just like, okay, gotcha. Thank you. And that <laughs> kind of gave me permission to talk to her. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And God, I wish I could really hear her. Mm. I think I wonder sometimes whether I'm just making up based on how well I know her and what her responses probably would be. Yeah. That's enough for me too, oh, because it's, it's still enough to make me feel like, you know, she's around. There's been you know, incidences with birds and, you know, there's been a couple of other things, but that was the real main thing, the mm. first big main sign that made me realise, yeah, she is around. And we had had a conversation just before she died and my sister was like, what are you going to do to let us know, like, when you come visit mum? Like, are you yeah. going to, you know? And she was, you know, going off on, on real funny tangents and we were having a bit of a joke about it. And I'm like, don't you freak me out. Like, you be gentle. <laughs> like, I want a flower on the doorstep or, a, you know, I'm like all like, go gently. My sister's like, no, be big and powerful. <laughs> like, don't freak me out. So I was like, okay, thank you. That was gentle. I'll take that, you know, mm, and it was just, mm. it was a very nice moment. Oh, that's beautiful. So maybe if we rewind a little bit, talk us through your grief journey and like, what was that like? Like if you're caring for someone, it's like you're there 24 seven. And then all of a sudden when she was gone, that must've been really hard. It was, yeah. What was great about that though, is that we had, so she died at 11.28 in the morning and we had her till five o'clock that afternoon, Mm. just me and my sister, which was really, really special. Mm. And Again, knowing what I know now, we could have even had her for longer mm. had I known the resources that I'm aware of now. But yeah. 
um, I'm really glad because in the past when people have died, they go really quickly, like they're here and then they're gone. You know, the yeah. hospital needs the bed or someone comes and picks them up from mm. home straight away. And there had only been one other instance prior in my life where um, somebody close to me died in their home and I yeah. was there with them and the rest of the family. Yeah. It's my best friend's dad. And her mum said to the funeral director, no, 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 you're not picking him up tonight. Mm. you can come tomorrow yeah and that was the first time that was 20 years ago and that was the first time that I was like oh he doesn't have to go straight away and it was actually kind of cool because the next morning we all woke up and he was still there and Mm. you could touch him and you could acknowledge that he was really gone from the Mm. body Mm. um but still find comfort in a bit of touch and and a bit of talk you know like having a conversation not a conversation but you know just saying those few final words yeah um in your home rather than in a funeral home Mm, mm. so when mum died I said to my sister as well you know we don't have to let her go straight away Mm. how about I find out the very you know how, how late we can have her and she was like yeah so we my husband came and picked up my sister's little daughter Mm. and um went and picked up so so he took our took care of my sister's kids and it was just me my mum and my sister which was exactly how mum would have wanted it Mm. we put her favorite music on we had oils diffusing in the room um we chatted I smoked a few of her last cigarettes Mm. (laughs) we Mm. drank some of her scotch you know like we we just we were just with her in the room and we kept looking at her and allowing that reality of her passing to process do you think that's important to have that I do yeah yeah yeah. I do touching her feeling the change in her temperature Mm. um it was was really special and part of me wishes that we had had her for a bit longer but at the same time you know it probably all worked out perfectly as well so Mm. um what happened after that was obviously we had to clear out her house really fast which was annoying but um we had talked to mum about what sort of funeral or memorial she would like and she Mm. had said very clearly I don't want a proper funeral that you know those stuffy funerals she said I don't want anyone who hasn't been close to me in my life to come and cry over my dead body all that kind of stuff yeah she's really like you know cremate me scatter me out at the Mm. ocean do it under the full moon yeah play some good music, drink some champagne, have oh, seafood yeah. and just have a little beach party with whoever you want to invite, but make sure I like them. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and so you. that's what we did. Good we, on you for we, having those tough conversations because it's not easy to have those conversations about what people want sometimes. It's not easy. And mm. that's part of what I love with the work that I do as well because I'm advocating end-of-life planning for people yeah. who are not sick yet yep. or who aren't old yet mm, even you know mm. because we all need just like we all need a will we all need an end-of-life plan because Definitely. anything could happen at any time you know exactly. and when and it could be a really quick accident that wipes you out straight away or it could be a diagnosis that shocks you yeah. and it's really hard to make decisions when you're in shock yeah. you know and so and mum only had six months so we didn't have long, long, and mm. we'd had a very up and down relationship leading up to that time. And part of me thinks that that was a bit of her 
soul reconciling as well before yeah. she was dead, dying. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. But I think because my sister and my mum and I are so passionate, like fiercely loving and fiercely mm. volatile at the same time, <laughs> that it was sort of like we could always talk to each other about anything. Yeah, yeah. And that helps. And so, mm. and not all families are like that. And no. So I do encourage people to gently have conversations with people that they love mm. just so that they can start getting a bit of an idea. If they're not ready to put plans in place, that's okay. Mm. But every now and then somebody dies. So maybe have a chat about how you feel about that and what you would like if that happened to you or, mm. you know. So I think the community in general really needs help with that because we're not good at that. Yeah, yeah mom and and my my sister in particular like she loves ha asking hard questions mm. so she's actually really good to have around in times like that because she but not everyone's like that yeah you know? yep I, I it wasn't until I went through my grief and loss journey that I realized that a lot of people couldn't talk to me anymore because they didn't know what to say and they were so yeah. scared to say the wrong thing and it, it was just suddenly like you were isolated a little bit because talking about death is such a difficult thing to do um do you have any advice or any tips to people who might have a friend or a family member going through this at the moment of, you know, how they, how they can be supportive? Yeah, um, you're so right that your friends just don't know what to say or do most mm. of the time unless they've been through, through it themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I found that as well that there were a few key people who were really, yep. you know, solidly supportive the mm. whole way through one of them had been through it she's also much older than me though and one of them hadn't been through it but she is the most compassionate person on the planet so that helps <laughs> uh, um but then everybody else oh and, and there were there were a couple of other people that have been through it that, that were just yeah like I say solidly supportive the whole way through mm. but most of my friends were like are yeah. we still you know without saying it but are we still sad about your mum being dead like oh, oh excuse me sorry far out like I, they wouldn't say it but you just yeah. get this air of like oh are we still going through this like are we still sad about this are mm. we still and I used to feel bad about being sad in front of people and I did too talking about it it's hard isn't it mm. and you'd want to like pretend it's not there but it's like such a big part of your heart at the moment yeah real challenge and part of our healing is talking about our person yes of course right so we find it hard and we start retreating. Well, I started retreating because I was just like too hard. I couldn't be bothered putting mm. on a face. Mm. I just need to be sad because yeah. it's okay to be sad. Yeah. And um, so I guess if I was to give any tips or something, it'd be, this is what I say to people is the best thing you can do is listen. Mm. The best mm. thing you can do is just listen because yeah. there is no fixing grief. There is no cure no grief mm. there is no formula for grief if, if, if there was it'd be so much easier but there's yeah. not because we're all very different we all process emotion very very differently and so usually all somebody wants is to be heard mm. to be validated that it's okay that you're still sad yeah and to talk about the person who's dead you know mm. like you know just but, and it doesn't always have to be about the good stuff because we've got to be real. Mm. Sometimes relationships are hard and parents, your relationship with your parents can be 
you know, it's not always a walk in the park, is it? Mm. You know. So talking about the stuff that's not very nice, like talking about the real stuff and acknowledging how hard your relationship was is really good too. Yeah. Because we we can easily put dead people on a pedestal. Yeah. And just remember all the good times and all the good things. And, and it's great to remember all the good things. But it's also very important for us to be balanced with our memories of our people because mm. in every relationship there are lessons and blessings. Mm. And the lessons come from the hard times, right? Definitely. <laughs> so I guess allow your your friends or your family members to be heard mm, mm. and to have space when they want space but to still be invited to everything yeah yeah and give uh, allow them to form their own boundaries and limitations yeah yeah and when you don't know what to say be honest and mm. say I don't know what to say right now but I'm here for you and, and mm. I love you and so guide me because yeah. it's okay to ask for guidance too because more often than not we're going to say just you being here is enough for me right yeah now. yeah yeah or like being maybe, honest yeah or maybe something practical is something they need like oh you know I haven't eaten in the two days like can you just get me some food because that's what I'm looking for right now the emotional stuff I'm okay with at the moment but yeah yeah, yeah, there's always other yeah. Things. can you pick the kids up from school because yeah. if I go to and see one more teacher ask me how you know this is not for me this is because yeah. I don't have kids but I've heard these things like you know they go and pick up the kids from school and then everyone people who they've hardly ever spoken to mm. come oh we heard and we're so sorry and, we're so, and it gets a bit much so yeah. maybe you need someone to pick up the kids from school for a couple of weeks or yeah. you know um and I guess you know we as humans are very quick to say let me know if you need anything I'm here for you you know let me know let me know but when you're when you're sad and and in grief and Mm. sitting at home probably the last thing you feel like doing is picking up the phone asking for help yeah definitely yeah so if you want to find someone or if you want to message or if you want to check in on someone just check in on them Mm. you know you don't need permission to check in on your friends and family yeah definitely it's up to them whether they respond but you can keep checking as much as you want you know Mm. Mm. yeah definitely do you think the stigma that death has around talking about it and being a challenge does do you think that impedes our ability to grieve healthily yeah I do because you know traditionally we get three days bereavement leave from work Mm. (laughs) which is barely enough time to plan the funeral yeah um I always try to get people to plan a funeral longer than three days at out because it's too soon yeah I think people need at least a week if not longer Mm. and they don't know that they can most people don't know that they can call the shots with that kind of stuff because we're used to funeral directors telling us what to do but it actually is the other way around we Mm. have the power in this we can say no 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 not ready for two weeks or whatever right they won't like it but we can yeah um and so yeah we we are told that you get three days and then you got to get back into it you know Mm. life get get back into life you know time heals you'll be fine you know and Mm. you know time kind of things get easier in time but time is not the healer yeah yeah we learn how to manage and Mm. how to live with grief but time itself doesn't heal so when people say oh you know time time heals you you want to punch them actually i want to yeah yeah (laughs) and so i think 
because we're we're told to just get on with it and we're not you know our culture hasn't um embraced you know vigils or anything like that yet you know mm. there's some cultures who gather together for days mm. and vocally mourn like they'll wail and they'll cry and they'll 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 express so much sadness and emotion and what I've tried to explain to people I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding that people think we're sad because the person died Mm. and in a sense yes we are but it's more because we're we're sad because we're not going to see them anymore yeah yeah and so being sad and allowing that expression to come out is actually really healthy Mm. and we're not taught to do that no we're taught to like I say plan a funeral go back to work time will heal you'll be okay just get on with life get on with life get on with life just like life can just maybe go on hold for a little while Mm, mm. while I figure out what it is that I'm feeling about this yeah yeah particularly when it's sudden death because Mm. people haven't had a chance to say goodbye yeah or if they maybe their last interaction with their person wasn't great yeah yeah so there's there can be some really big stuff to to move through so I think because we're as a as an as a culture um western society Mm. as a whole isn't very comfortable with death and so we don't engage in conversation and so people in grief feel lonely Mm. and like I say feel like they just got to keep on going through the motions and getting through it and I think actually the opposite is really helpful because if you're if you're allowed to take time and it's hard because we need work we need money we've got to go to work and all that stuff but you know this is what your sick days are for yeah yeah and I think it's important for people to you know maybe plan to you know if you know that you've got to get up and get the kids to school go to work do a job come home get the groceries cook dinner if you know that you've got to do that but you're feeling like it's all a bit Mm. much well then schedule a day and have that day to yourself yeah mental health day for sure yeah and why don't we do that more often anyway definitely certainly in grief I think it's I think it's absolutely necessary Mm, mm, yeah it's just so overwhelming when you're in that state um you mentioned before the lessons are learned in the harder times so what life lessons did you learn from your grief experience I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was that I don't have to be right all the time Mm, come from a family who always need to be right yeah yeah (laughs) And when everybody needs to be right, clearly somebody's not. (laughs) So it's quite ironic. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong, we've got a a lot of love in our family too. I was used to being right all the time. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't I was going to convince you that Mm. I was. Mm. And it's no way to live because what I realise is that actually all that matters is love. Yeah. And if I come from a place of love, wow, how much happier <laughs> yeah. am I? And how much happier are my relationships and how much more real are my relationships? And so allowing that in, so releasing the need to be right. Mm. Um, because, see, 
I think that came about because, you know, my mum, uh, you know, it just, it just didn't go to plan. You know, yeah. she died at 59. Like, that's not right, mm. you know, mm. and that's not what I wanted. And that, yeah. and there's so much that's out of your control in life. Definitely. So I, I guess on a broader scale as well, it, and because my whole family imploded, which is, a, a, you know, was traumatic in itself. So mm. I realised that I had to take a step back and yeah. find love. And I, I was always a loving, caring person, but I think my level of love and compassion, particularly compassion, yeah, just went up so many levels, like within a few months, you know, Definitely. I took time out. I did that back then. I was just like, ah, but I, I did it. Like, I don't know if you remember, there was this thing on Facebook where you do hashtag hundred happy days and no. you'd, post, you'd post something every single day. You didn't have to write much, but you'd have to post a photo of something that brought you joy yeah. in, the, in this day. And I used to see people post all these things and I'm just like, oh, life is so great for some people, you know. Mm-mm. And then someone said to me, why don't you do it while you're, you know, while you're so sad, just to remind yourself that even though not every day is good, there is good in every day. And I was just like, ah, oh, that's a great idea, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did it. And there were days where I was just like, oh, what's my happy post today? Mm-hmm. But what was good about that was that I actually was focusing on something that brought me joy, not anybody else. It wasn't, yeah. it was really like, what? Did, and it was sometimes a cup of tea or, mm. you know, just the simplest things. Mm. Um, and it just was a really good focus for 100 days in a row for me to go, I am going through one of the hardest times in my life right now. And I miss my mum every single day, Mm. but I'm going to find something happy today, you know? And it was, it's, it's that kind of thing that I think is the medicine that we can give ourselves. Definitely. um, That helps us remember that like what's really important in life yeah my therapist got me to do a gratitude journal when I was going through my grief and loss and it made all the difference I did not expect just writing what you're grateful for every day to have such an amazing impact that it did and yeah some days it was challenging some days it was hard you had no idea what to write but there was always something I could find even if it was just I'm still breathing today or you know like I have a roof over my head just the basic things that yeah. it was there was always something to be grateful for yeah. and I think that that's something that we could all benefit from any time in life not Definitely. just in our lives um, I do have a gratitude journal every now and then I pick it up and look at the last date that I wrote in and I'm like oh you know and so <laughs> it's about forming habits isn't it but it, it is it's really good because it does make us really focus on on the good but also yeah. sit for a moment and appreciate what we do have despite whatever hurt or sadness that we're feeling Mm. did you find that that did did you maintain that practice not so much now but I do find myself going back and looking at it like if I'm in a sad place or something I'll just go back and read the pages and even that's enough to kind of bring me a bit more joy again so I've still kept it and I won't throw it out so in a way yes yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. I really wanted to ask can you define doula for me because I'm still trying to wrap my head around it (laughs) 
Yeah, sure. The word doula, um, it's an ancient word that has Greek heritage, I believe, um, and mm. it means woman of service. Oh. And so it relates to, so, you know, back in the day before there were hospitals and um, midwives and doctors and all of that, the women of the village looked after the births and the deaths mm. and other transitions in life, but they're the two main common ones. Um and so, you know, communities would look after their own. They would look after their dying. They would, you know, bathe them. They would, you know, do everything that they needed to do right up until the point where they would wrap them in a shroud and take them to wherever they needed to be buried, yeah. mostly. Some some cultures cremated. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings, you know, put, put you in a boat and, you know, shoot yeah. a flaming yeah. arrow into, you know, so that they all had their own um, ways of, uh, disposing of you but mm. looking after you was all about the the women in the village so yeah. doula has since I, I think most people I um, come across have heard of a birth doula yeah um, and that's often when you know they either have an absent husband or 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 partner um, or just need more support you know yeah. for, for whatever reason to go through the whole birth and oh sorry the whole pregnancy Mm. and all the way through birth and also they do a lot of postnatal work as well I chose to be a death doula because I guess I'm more comfortable with death than birth yeah because birth hasn't been prevalent in my personal life unfortunately Mm. so I didn't feel authentic enough to be able to support people during birth yeah yeah um so yeah death for me is the the area that I want to focus on and being of service Mm. is also it really resonates with me because just being with someone and holding that space for not just the person who's dying but their family who might be uncharted territory as well often when people are going through you know caring for someone they're doing it for the first time you know Mm. they don't really know what Mm. to expect so being of service to those families and helping them and guiding them is um yeah is really special so i'm very grateful to these old traditions that mm. have been out well they weren't traditions they were just, it was just their way of life yeah you know yeah. and like how wise they were to just know what to do mm, mm. you know like it's it's pretty special so yeah my, so does your work start to... from like the point of diagnosis and i guess end after the after death is that how does that work can do um so part of my so there's a few different facets of my my work so I mentioned the end of life planning before which can be with people you know like us you know Mm. like not dying not old not anything you know just want to be organized or something or want to give their family some a place to start if should anything unexpected happen Mm -hmm. um but the actual death care work is up to the family or the individual um often it can be yeah we've received a diagnosis and we don't want to go to hospital Mm. um or we don't want to die in hospital yeah what do we do because you know most people don't know what to do so Mm. you know giving them information and resources and you know a bit of guidance and options like you know I don't make any decisions for them and I'm nothing to do with medical yeah um you know or or any drug prescription or anything like that Mm. there's some amazing palliative care nurses that that's their job you know so everyone has their skills mine is with the the guidance of the information the resources but also the spiritual guidance should they want that yeah so conversations opening up conversations with the family so that could be 
I do compassionate what I call compassionate care sessions so that could be that could just start with the person who's dying how do you feel about mm. dying do, do you feel you need to talk about that and if so do you want to talk about that with me or do you want to have this conversation with your family yeah. and trying to help them soften some of these because you know especially in the case of a term uh, um a diagnosis with someone who's not old yeah you know there's that real like oh, we weren't ready for this mm, you know mm. we can accept it a little bit easier when the people are old yeah because you know oh they've lived a full life and all that um so facilitating conversations with family members to just help open the dialogue and yeah. know that that you remind them that if you've got anything to say now is the time to say it yeah. and it's okay to feel emotion a lot of people think that they've got to hold it together in front of the people that mm. are dying like they mm. don't want to cry in front of them they don't want to be emotional but you know what in my experience actually I think the opposite is is far better for everybody involved because yeah. the people who are dying they want to know that they're going to be missed you know yeah, they yeah. they want to, not in an egotistical way at all mm. but it brings them a little you know it 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 deepens the connection yeah when they can talk about the fact that I'm really gonna miss you mm, mm. no I'm really I've loved this I've loved this I'm, I'm really gonna miss you you know and I'm getting upset when I say this because so many people find it hard to say and yeah. you know quite frankly if we can't say it to them when they're alive yeah well what's it all about you know so grief, there's so much regret afterwards like I should have said this and I should have yeah. done that and and yeah, I think people are just so afraid to upset other people. Like we yeah. are just so tears phobic in this society. And I'm so yeah. passionate about, no, if you need to cry, you cry, you let it out. Like it's <laughs> so important to let it out and, and have these difficult conversations because yeah, otherwise you'll never know. Like there's a million questions I wish I would have asked my dad yeah. before he passed and I'll never know the answers to those things. And I've just had to kind of learn to live with that. Um, so I think what you do is amazing work because yeah, there's, it, it is hard to have those conversations sometimes. Like, of course, family members don't want to upset each other and everyone's trying to, yeah, hold it together for others because maybe they were the pillar of strength before they were unwell. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's so and important. You're so right. It is hard, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, even though I had a bit of time with mum as well, there are still so many questions I didn't ask her too. Yeah. So many unfinished conversations and so many questions that only she could answer too. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else on this planet would know some of the questions that I want to ask her because mm. all the answers to them. And that's like, ah, oh, bugger, you know? Like, yeah. And so I guess if I can help people you know just open those conversations up so that they can they still might not ask all the questions either but yeah. you know at least having conversations and um just spending that time time is priceless it really yeah. is yeah yeah and if you are lucky enough to have time to say goodbye mm. well then we need to encourage people and this is what i so this is part of where i'm at with the families as well is encouraging them to get people to help them do all the other stuff that takes up your time in the day yeah the cooking the cleaning the driving around the you know the shopping I mean look you'll need time out of the house to go and do stuff yeah. I get yeah. that so so obviously do that but if you're spending all of your time 
going to get the groceries and then coming home to cook the meal and then you've got to clean this mm. and that. And all the while your person's lying in bed or in hospital, wherever they might yeah. be, alone because yeah. or with strangers that mm. are caring for them. I don't know. Each to their own, but the people who seek people like me out are wanting to do death differently. Yeah. And yeah. what we need to advocate is that more people will heal more healthily mm. if they start doing death differently. So how do we do death differently? Let me know. It's kind of crystal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, it is by being involved, um, yeah. being hands-on, you know, yeah. like um, being there with your person as much as you possibly can, getting the kids to come in and be yeah. with them, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we didn't take the kids to the hospital because we didn't want him to see granddad like that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why not? I mean, death is normal part of life. Mm. We don't want them growing up and being an adult and having to deal with the death of somebody they love and not know what to do. We want them to be comfortable with it. We want them to understand what's happening. We Mm. want children to know mum's dying or auntie's dying or whoever, and we want them to come in and be involved with that last time, those last days or weeks or whatever. Because only through being with people who are dying will Mm. we start to be more comfortable and will we start to be able to help other people more because ultimately you don't need I'm doing myself out of a job here but ultimately you don't need a doula ultimately the family does it together themselves yeah yeah that's what we that's what we want you know Mm. so I mean people like me are just there to, to guide you and to, to help you. Yeah. But, but you do it all, you know, like, and it's, it's also like, you know, bathing them and dressing them before they get picked up to go to the crematorium or wherever mm. they're going to go. We can do that ourselves, mm. but many of us in Western culture are not used to that at all because yeah. we've just never, it's never been a thing that we've done, you know, mm-hmm. whereas having that time, like I said before, it helps us process that part in our brain that accepts the fact that they're gone. Yeah, yeah. And children need that as much as adults. Mm, like denial is just such a hard thing to process that you you know logically that they're gone, but there's that part of you that just keeps forgetting or like hoping that they're not. Huh. And yeah. then it just breaks your heart to kind of relearn it all over again or you wake up for a split second and you forget and then you remember and it's just like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and even like that example, have, sorry, 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 no, you go. That example you said before with the children bringing the children, I can see why that might be challenging for people, but that's a frame of reference for children to see this is how we care for someone in their final yeah. moments. And then they bring that into their adulthood and then they can support whoever they need to support close family, close friends, because they've seen that frame of reference of like, this is how we go and we tell someone we love them in their final moments and we give them that support. Um, yeah. And not only that, but then when they're at school and their friend comes back after being away for a couple of days because grandma died, they can be compassionate and say, that's really sad that your grandma died. My grandma died too. And connect over that, you know, because again, we're taught to just get on with it. But Mm. what we actually need is connection. You know, We, we need, we need connection with people. And so the more we're involved with it, more comfortable we become talking about it and that is 
that that's where the real healing begins you know yeah yeah and being honest you know I I was always you know get everything done and you know but in like in my marriage and um I think when mum died it was the first time that I really lent on my husband like mm. really lent on him in a way that I'd never relied yeah. on him before and just really asking him straight out you know, he used to joke around all the time and say, I can't read your mind. Can you just be clear with what you want me to do? Yeah. And, you know, some people are better at reading minds. My husband's <laughs> not that guy. Um, but I guess that has been good because that's continued in our relationship since mm. then. So for the last five years, I feel like we've actually gotten stronger through mum's death. Yeah. Because I was able to just go, I really need you to do this. I really need you to do this. Or I really need you to not do that. Or I really, you know, and yeah it's all in the way that we we say it but that really that really um yeah heightened our relationship in a, in a beautiful way um mm. because often I see people retreating from their family members and yeah. not to load it on them because oh well they've lost their mum too so yeah. I don't want to whereas you know my sister and I we we're talking we we talk about it all the time we would mm. say to each other and we still do sometimes uh, give each other a hug and just go I'm sorry your mum died you yeah. know like sometimes you just need to hear yeah, that you know definitely. and um so yeah that that was a really big part of healing in my life as well um was the you know the the being honest with myself about what I needed it needed yeah. and being brave enough to ask for it and lean on people who because you know if you're surrounded by people who love you, they just want to help you. Yeah, of course. So it's I'd, up to us to be honest about what we need. Definitely. Even when it's hard, even when it's tough to speak up. Yeah. Um, something's always better than nothing. And yeah, the other person just being really lost and confused. And yeah, I'm a big believer in vulnerability is the yeah. pathway to intimacy. If you can be vulnerable and, and show your partner that side of yourself that's crumbling, that's struggling, that's not doing as well as they used to, you know, it, that builds connection, builds intimacy, builds bonds. So true. Mm. So true. I guess also, you know, the, the ability to be honest with somebody else is always becoming more honest with yourself as well yeah yeah you know and allowing us to you know so if we can take that time to go inward and know exactly what we need then you know then we can be clear with with what we need on the outside you know mm. knowing, I guess knowing your own limitations and your own boundaries and being yeah. true to that yeah like no I really don't want to go to that party this week and it's not because of any other reason except I just really need some time to myself you yeah. know like and I don't want to put on a happy face and I don't want to have to make people feel okay that my mum died. And mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, You're just so overloaded already with grief, like in your own thoughts. But yeah, adding that extra layer of trying to manage everyone else, is it's just too much. Time. Yeah. yeah. And I think as well what people can do too, which I'm starting to see people be better at around me, mm. um, but planning special days, you know, yeah. like, um acknowledging that mother's day is really hard for a lot of people yeah. and so instead of waiting to see how you can feel on the day and i oh, will just pay it by you plan something mm. whatever and it could just be you going for a walk on the beach by yourself or with your best friend yeah. or whatever 
you know, but, but plan to mark that occasion and plan to do something that honours your person. We mm. love to honour our people. Yeah. You know, do something on their birthday or their death anniversary or, you know, what, whatever is a meaningful day throughout the year. Plan ahead. Take the day off work. Mm. That's what your, sick, what your annual leave is for and all of that, you know, like plan to allow yourself yeah. to feel whatever you want to feel on that day with no guilt. Because if you push through and you go to work on your mum's birthday, let's say, or your mum's death day is the worst one probably at the beginning. Yeah. And if you just try to push through and push through and push through and you you suppress whatever you really want to just let out, mm. well, that's not good for us, is it? Yeah. So, you know, I really love it when I hear families getting together on special days and, you know, doing something because that's what mum would have loved. Mm. And so long as you're loving it too, like you don't want to do something that mum would love, but I hated it. When we yeah. did, you know. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. So, my, so you know, I use my sister as an example a lot because that's what I know. But, you know, mum and I used to love, you know, cooking together and mm. making big meals and, you know, having a glass of wine. And my sister can't stand it. Yeah. She hates cooking. She hates being in the kitchen for that yeah. length of time and all that. So for me, when I'm like, oh, I had a big cook up with mum today, you know, like mm, that's, mm. The, that's the medicine that I needed. My sister's just like, oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah. it has to be true to you as yeah. well as honouring your person. Definitely. Is there anything else you'd like to share about grief or your journey or anything, your healing, what was helpful? Um, I think probably the main thing I love to remind people is that the most important thing about your grief journey is you. Yeah. Yeah. You are at the center of your grief journey. And even though you might be surrounded by family members who have been affected by the very same death, mm. it doesn't mean that you're all experiencing the same yeah. grief. Yeah. Right. All of that, like, our grief journey is is unique to us mm. and we can't assume that they know how we feel yeah and we can't assume that we know how they feel mm. so always remember that your grief journey is is just that it is your grief journey yeah so find a way to communicate with the people that you love and explain to them how you're feeling and if you do resonate with each other on some levels well that's great mm. But if you don't, that's okay as well. But at least you might be able to support each other knowing the differences of, of each other's journey. Yeah. That, I hope that helps because I think that that's one of the big things that I really, like one of the big lessons that I really learnt from my family's experiences after my mum died. Mm, mm. I was wondering why people weren't like, people who I thought I was close to in my family, extended family, I was wondering why they weren't calling me. And yeah. I was sad about that. I was yeah. heartbroken, actually. I felt really abandoned Yeah. in my hour of need. I just mm. lost my mum and my sister went through a really hard time and my aunties and uncles just weren't there for me. And, yeah. and, we're, and they're only like 10, 12 and 13 years older than me. So we're like, we're pretty close. And I was just devastated. So, so that really taught me a lot about family mm. dynamics. Mm. And, that, and I, I constantly see these patterns in families where people are getting really upset by other people in the family because yeah. they're not behaving the way they think they should in their grief. Yeah, I had this thing about if I was in your role and roles were reversed, I would be doing X, Y, Z. And that upsets me that you're not doing X, Y, Z. 
And I had to really let go of the idea that, you know, my way is the right way, I guess, coming back to what you said that, you know, some people grieve differently and some people don't, didn't know I was in such dire need. And maybe it was about expressing myself more and that, you know, I can't hold them to the standard of my own standards because I am an empathetic person. I am good at reading people's emotions. And I guess maybe they're not such as good at that and that's okay. But it did feel really tough at the time. It was really hard to process and felt, yeah, definitely abandonment at the time as well. Yeah. Have you repaired, have you managed to repair some of those relationships? Yeah, yeah. Because there's once I worked through it and realised I can't hold people to these really ridiculously high standards, it's like I I could forgive and I could let go. Mm -hmm. And I also learned to kind of stand up for myself and talk and speak my truth more. I was very quiet years past. Now I'm on a podcast speaking my truth all the time. (laughs) Um, So now I will just go up to people and be like, I'm having a shit of a day. Like I'm not having a a good time and and actually express my emotions. And um, usually people will then step up to the plate and support me with that. Um, But at the time, yeah, I was just very inward. And why don't you like read my mind? Why don't you understand where I'm at and that I need your support right now? And yeah, having to really step out of that. So luckily, yeah, everything's repaired. We're all good. Right, yeah. <laughs> Interesting journeys though, aren't they? Like they're really. Yeah. The grief anger really took me by surprise. Like I was not, I was never an angry person. And then suddenly I was an angry person. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, it's it's fascinating and continues to fascinate me. And I think that's why I love doing this work so yeah. much. And I do thank mum a lot for it because I honestly don't think that if, I don't think that if, if I didn't have that experience with her, I don't think that I'd be doing this work. Yeah. And um, so I'm very grateful that, yeah, that, I mean, I wish that she didn't have to die for me to know. <laughs> but, you know, that was her journey, not, you know. That, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. And, how, and I, I'm, you know, I understand that now. I'm at peace with that. Um, and how so. wonderful for her to, yeah, gift that to you in her passing and then look at you go. Like, look at how many people you're helping now, like. Yeah. Talk me through the last thing I really want to talk to you about. Your business is called McLeod with a silver lining. Talk me through the silver lining. Where did that come from? Well, um, so my surname is McLeod and that's my married name. And when I was, I was one of my jobs and um, I was helping someone out and, you know, there's that saying, every cloud has a silver lining. Yeah. Right. So I was helping someone out because she was in a, in a bit of a bind and she's, and I was like, I can help you with this. And she's just like, really? And I just sat down and I just helped her. Mm. And she went, oh, my God, you're my cloud with a silver lining, McLeod. <laughs> I was like, that's really funny. That's a great Instagram oh, beautiful. name. Beautiful, yeah. So that became my Instagram name. And then when I was looking for a business name, one of my friends said, you know, your Instagram name works because mm. death, silver linings every cloud has a silver lining do you know she was just like what about that and I was like yeah 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 because you know every cloud does have a silver lining Mm. if we are willing it's like there is good in every day if we are willing to look at it but um, yes I have my friend at work to thank for that name I have thanked her For, for naming my business inadvertently she didn't know then that that's what she was doing but yeah it's it's so authentic to your experience it's like you went through this horrible loss of your mother and how heartbreaking and tragic for you but yeah in every dark cloud there is there is growth and there is self-development and change and becoming a more compassionate person and being able to do this work which a lot of people wouldn't be able to do 
um, came from that experience. So there are, even in the darkest of times, silver linings. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I love it too. And it just, it feels like it embodies, you know, yeah. the passion that I have for, for death work yeah. and for for helping families through what is usually the hardest time in their life. Definitely. So, yeah, there there is always a silver lining. It can be hard to see, mm. but if we hold each other's hands, it's easier. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm actually quite privileged to be to be doing this sort of work, and I, I do feel very very honoured to be led into the family's, mm. you know, intimate lives. Yeah, you know, it's um it's very it's very very special, and and sometimes I do wonder like why didn't I know this sooner? Like I wish because I'm like in my late forties now, and I'm like I wish I had been doing this so much longer ago because yeah. then life would have felt a bit more meaningful. But you know, it's all part of a story, isn't it? It's all part of a journey. And in fact, probably a lot of the experience that I I gained through my other jobs that I had helped me run a business because that's you know no walk in the park either. So yeah. You know, Got to be grateful for all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It takes such a special person to be able to do this work. Where else can we find you? Is it just Instagram or? Uh, Facebook. Um, So, yeah, McLeod with a silver lining, end of life, celebrate and doula. If you put McLeod with a silver lining into Facebook and Instagram, you'll find me. Um, And the website is the same as well, mcleodwithasilverlining.com.au. Amazing. Thank you you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah. It's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you. And I I do feel a beautiful connection with you about your journey as well. And, you know, we've spoken about it before. So yeah, I appreciate you allowing me to share this story. And I I do hope that, you know, someone is touched by some of the things that we've been through to help them on their journey. Everyone has to go through grief and loss at some point in their life, unfortunately. And yeah, the connections you make with other people who've been through it is beautiful. So thank you so much. It's been oh, my pleasure. an honor. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Piara. Really right. appreciate your time. Bye.